title of my sermon today is Sacrifice Required. Sacrifice is required. I believe sacrifice is required in the kingdom of God. For God to use us, for God to advance us, for God to see our communities transformed and our families transformed, I believe that sacrifice is required. Romans 8.32 tells us that God himself didn't even spare his only son, his only child. So think about this. When God up in heaven, our heavenly father is saying, hey, I'm, I'm making a decision about a sacrifice that I'm going to give. Something says that he didn't even hold back a little. Instead, he gave it all. I mean, you know that God, our heavenly father is our example. Scripture says that we're called to be imitators of God. So if God said, hey, I'm giving everything, I'm sacrificing it all. I mean, you know, that should be on our mind as well. We could go all throughout the scriptures, and I'm not going to do it today, but we could go through the scriptures that talk about how the scripture says we're called to take up our cross and follow him, or we're called to be people who put our hand to the plow and we don't look back. There's all these sacrificial scriptures, but I'm going to take a few stories that show us the benefit and the importance of being people who live sacrificial lives. The problem with American culture, Christian living, is if you listen to most pulpits and preachers preach. They preach a gospel that sounds a little bit more like God saved you so that you can somehow be plucked from your sins so that you can walk in this blessed life, luxurious life, just put your feet up and live this most blessed life ever. And there's nothing. And the reality is you're not saved to sit. When God saves us and calls us and equips us and commissions us, there's still sacrifice required. Can I get an amen today? God didn't save us just to spare us. God saved us because at the same time, he also enlisted us. Are you with me today? I grew up in church and in the 90s, if you were somebody who went to church in the 90s and you went in kids' church, you would have sang this song before. And the song is called, I'm in the Lord's Army. And you guys, I know you love to hear me sing and I would really love to sing for you today, but because of time, I won't get into it. But the song goes on to talk about, like, I'm in the Lord's army. Like, yes, I am. And I'm here to, to serve and to, and to let God use me and move me. But yet, for some reason, in modern culture, church, we have this, like, no, God saved you so you can live a blessed life with picket fences. And nothing will ever harm you or come against you. And that's not the gospel. Are you with me today? This grace has been abused into some kind of blessed life message. Now, I know that there's other denominations that have abused it the other way, and they turn it into, oh, you know, you got to work, and you got to strive, and it's all about your works, and that's an abuse as well. But there is a down the middle that says God has called you, he's equipped you, and there is a sacrifice that is required of God's people. Are you with me? So here's kind of my three examples and then we'll wrap up with a little bit of prayer. But Exodus chapter 10, verse 24 is where we get one of these examples of sacrificial living. It says, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord. Even your women and your children may go with you. Only leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock, too, must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshiping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we do not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. Now, this is the story. We know that Moses is called to go set God's people free. The burning bush moment, God's people are in captivity. And then we see that the plagues are sent and Pharaoh's getting sick of this. And so after all the plagues are sent, he finally comes to Moses and says, just leave. Just get out of here. I'm done with all of this but keep your livestock back. Now you would have thought to Moses, this would have been an answer to prayer. Prayer request answered. We're free. He told us to go. We can be on our way. But Moses says, I'm not going if I can't have 
sacrifice. He said, I'm not, not even one hoof. I'm not leaving unless I have sacrifice. But you would have thought, oh, this is amazing. We've been set free. And he says, I'm not going to go into the next without sacrifice. Because I know the next, I know stepping into the thing, though, as Cody was saying, though they may have what looked like been set free and called into their next, if it isn't full of a lifestyle of sacrifice, it's going to mean captivity again. We all know of the people, and maybe it's your story, where you got saved and you got set free and God called you out of something, but because then you let yourself get lukewarm and you let yourself get cold and you lost a lifestyle of, of sacrifice, you found yourself right back in the same old thing. Why? Because sacrifice matters. Moses is thinking, uh, hey, I'm not going to go that. Moses could have went into a lifestyle of career. He could have stepped out into a new social life. He could have started to begin to build uh, his careers, his, his lifestyle. He could have put the kids in sports. He could have started taking vacations, doing all those things. And he knew to himself, I will never do those things in front of sacrificial lifestyle. It's all about sacrifice. If I want the blessing of God, the hand of God in my life, the provision of God in my life, I have to be a person who lives a lifestyle of sacrifice. Too often in American church, we go, oh, I would love to do something for God. I would love to be able to do something for his kingdom. But, you know, we got vacations and kids are in sports and, you know, we got our careers and we got to keep up with the Joneses. We got all these other things. And Moses said, I'm not putting that before a lifestyle of sacrifice. Are you with me today? Pharaoh also knew this. He knew that if he could take their sacrifice from them for 400 years, they had the silence of God in their life because they were unable to give sacrifice. Pharaoh knew if I set them out without sacrifice, they're going to find their way back into captivity, except for this time, they won't have the hand of God on their life. Sacrifice is what keeps God moving and his provision in his hand. Think about it like this. How do you keep a fire burning? You add to the fire continue to add to the fire. It's the same thing in the way that we follow God. We say, God, this is not my life, but it's yours. And I lay it down for you. Are you with me today? I thought about Job again, just moving along swiftly. Job, we see in scripture uh, that God is like talking about Job, like Job, he's my guy. I'm looking at this guy, Job, he's my guy. And then scripture says that Satan shows up and goes, yeah, but Job, the reason he's your guy is because look how blessed he is. He's so blessed. He's so taken care of. There's like this hedge of protection around him. And God's like, okay. And so there's like this weird deal that's made. And God says to Satan, you can do whatever you want. You just can't kill him. Now, what's interesting about Job is the reason he had such hand of God on his life and such protection and provision over his life is because every single morning, the scripture says he arose and he sacrificed 10 of his animals said, I'm not going to do anything today until I first make sure that there's a sacrifice before my God. So what did Satan try to do? What was the first thing he tried to, to do against Job? Doesn't, doesn't say that he put some kind of sickness in the land or did any kind of thing. The first thing that, the Satan, that Satan did is he sent a tornado that wiped out all of his livestock. Why? Because it took out his sacrifice. His ability to sacrifice. His ability to say, hey God, I'm laying my life down. I'm putting you first. He took that out. Are you with me today? I realize it's a sacrifice to come to church in the pace that we keep as Americans. On a Sunday to arrange on, for most of you, your day off. You've worked throughout the week and now Sunday rolls around and you say, oh, are we going to go to church today? And the answer is, yeah, why? Because sacrifice matters. Being in the house of God and prioritizing our schedule to be in a place where we can be with our brother and sister. It's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice that matters to God. I know reading our Bible is a sacrifice. 
There's a million things we have going on. We have a laundry list of to-dos and we have all the things we want to keep up with, but it's a sacrifice for us to get out the scripture and say, God, I'm going to put your truth above any other truth that I can hear. Can I get amen today? I know that prayer, our prayer life is a sacrifice. I know for us to get up and make time to pray, turn off the TV, turn off the radio, drive down the road, turn off our music, turn off the the notifications that blast us throughout the day, turn off all of that stuff so we can say, God, I've got to make sure that I have time to commune with you. I know that that's a sacrifice. The enemy hates it when we pray. That's why why the number one sleep aid in your home is your prayer life. At nighttime, I'm going to get ready to pray. It's your best sleep. Why why is that? It's because the enemy wants to stop you from praying. Why? Because the sacrifice of prayer and spending time with God is is so important. I thought about tithing and and putting God first in our finances. That's a sacrifice. There's a lot of other things we could spend money on and have our resources given to. But but giving them to the kingdom and putting him first, that's a sacrifice. Scripture talks about our worship. We come in here. We stand next to a bunch of people that we barely know. And we just start singing, not just Again, lyrics off a screen, but declarations together prophetically. That's a sacrifice. Your Bible calls it our sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice, but it's one that God honors. I believe that talking right and watching how we speak and and not gossiping and not slandering and, and speaking well over one another. I believe that that's a sacrifice. Are you with me? These are all things that they're sacrifices, but they matter to God. We see that Satan tempted Jesus in the same way. He came after his sacrifice, his sacrificial living. Scripture says that Jesus is in the wilderness. Satan shows up to him and Satan says to Jesus, he says, hey, if you worship me, I'll give you the nations. And Jesus responds with, no, I'm going to worship my sacrifice of praise. My sacrifice of worship is only going to go to God. You're not going to come take my sacrifice of praise. So he denies Satan in that. And I believe we need to be the same kind of people that say, no, this world, this culture, this enemy that's after our families will not take our sacrifice. Scripture says about Isaac, Isaac, one of the most blessed men in scripture, the scripture says God calls him at a time where there's a famine. He doesn't have much. He's, he's not flowing in resources. The scripture says at this time he's called to sow in the famine. And we read later that Isaac becomes one of the most blessed men. Why? Because he sacrificed even when he was in famine. The hand of God, the provision of God, the blessing of God stayed on his life. Why? Because he was willing to sow and sacrifice even in famine. One of the best stories of sacrifice comes from Elijah. We see that 450 prophets of Baal are all gathered up on Mount Carmel. We know that Elijah has said for three and a half years it won't rain. Scripture says that creeks are dried up, rivers are dried up. There's not even dew in the mountains. It's so dry there that water is like the most precious and rare thing of anything that you could have, any commodity at that time. So the scripture says that they're there on with the 40, 150 prophets of Baal. And then there's Elijah and the whole deal is made. Hey, who's ever God answers by fire on this altar, whoever answers by fire, that's the true God. That's the one God. That's who we will serve and worship as God. And so Elijah says, deal. So the prophets of Baal go up and they put together this altar and they put the wood on there and all the other things on there. And what's interesting is the scripture says that they dressed up. They became extravagant. They were dancing. They were leaping. They became very loud. It's interesting that the evil spirit of the day just seems to be loud and exaggerated, exuberant. Are you with me? Understand what I'm talking about? But the scripture said as, as scripture says, as it didn't go their way, they only became louder and more aggressive. 
They got even louder and louder and louder. And finally, after some time, Elijah said, okay, it's our turn. And he said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to tear down what they built because this needs to be our sacrifice. Somebody else can't build your altar. Are you with me? So we're going to tear all that down. We're going to build up our own altar. Now, here's what's interesting. They built everything. They had wood. They had the same thing as the other people. But then Elijah knew if I want the hand of God, the provision of God, the move of God on this thing, there must be sacrifice. So do you know what he went and got? He said, guys, go get four barrels of water. The precious thing, the rare thing, the sacrificial thing. We know that it was going to be an answer by fire. And so now he's downing this with water because he showed his faith and confidence in his God by, by doing what? Putting water on it by also being sacrificial. So scripture goes on and says that, that fire came down from heaven. Scripture actually says that, it, it, one translation says it licked up every bit of water. Why? Because God honors sacrifice. Are you with me today? I'll close with this. Water was rare. And Elijah knew if I want God to move, it has to cost me something. That water cost him something. Scripture talks about how he said, get four more and get four more. He kept adding on to this because the reality is this. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. If you're making your decision based on how you're following God, if you're measuring it up based on convenience, it's accomplishing nothing. Uh, maybe we can squeeze that in around vacation and our career and our social life. Maybe we can put a little bit of God over there. That fits. That's convenient. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. We must have sacrifice in our life. That's why Paul even said it this way. Like, I'm free to do whatever I want, but I'm going to become a servant all so that we may win many. What did he understand? Sacrifice. Laying our life down. Are you with me? When you don't have a lot of money, sacrifice. You give, you remain faithful. When you don't have a lot of joy, you still come into the house and you sing of the goodness of God. Sacrifice. When you don't have a lot of time, you arrange your calendar, you do the best that you can to sacrifice for the kingdom. Some say, well, serving church, I... I just don't have time for that, Pastor. You don't understand. I work hard. I serve 60 hours. My time is really precious. When it sounds like that's going to be a pretty awesome sacrifice when you serve then. Well, I served in church for 20 years. I paid my time. Are you still alive? Then there's still a sacrifice in you. Well, Pastor, I'm tired. I need Sunday. This is my day. I work all week. I need Sunday. This is my, this is my day to rest. Can I tell you something? Sunday's not your day. It's his day. Where's our sacrifice? He kept saying, get more, get more. God is the God who responds not to status, not to noise, not to our knowledge, but obedience and sacrifice is how we get God to move in our life. Can I get an amen? I love this saying, if blessing is the pen, sacrifice is the ink. Sacrifice is the ink. I remember I was a youth pastor in Grand Haven, Res Life. It's now called Harvest Church. And I was youth pastor, young in ministry, and uh, I was the youngest on staff. I'm in my 20s. Most of the other pastors were older. And so anytime grunt work needed to come up, they were like, yeah, just go get Josh to do it. Where's the youth pastor? And I remember I was having a really bad attitude day because we had like a pole barn and then we had the church building. And I hate winter. I hate the cold. And uh, just, yeah, so y'all know I'm still working on that Charleston church. We'll get there. But uh, <laughs> 
But uh, I hate the cold. And so they, they said, yeah, just send Josh out there. He'll go from that building to that building. I had to bring like stage design pieces into the church. And it was kind of snowy and kind of rainy and all muddy. And I remember walking these pieces back and forth. And I remember saying to myself, like, this is ridiculous. This is stupid. I shouldn't be doing this. This is insane. I'm messing up my Aldo shoes right now. I hate this. This is ridiculous. And I remember God speaking to me and being like, am I not worthy? Like, am I not really? I, I didn't hold back anything from you. When you didn't deserve it, he gave it all. Romans, that they opened the sermon with, when you deserve nothing, he gave everything. And I'm like, oh, carrying these stage pieces, I'm so mad about this. Is he not worthy? I thought about it in our life. Is he not worthy of every Sunday morning possible where we come into this place and we give him our worship? Is he not worthy of our service? Well, pastor, they sang for like 45 minutes. Is he not worthy of that? Is he not worthy of 45 minutes? It's weird because last weekend I stood in the pit on just cement on my feet for like eight hours. That's not an exaggeration with a bunch of Dave Matthews weirdos. Not one of them complained about eight hours on their feet. And I'm a Dave Matthews guy. I love Uncle Dave, but not as good as our Heavenly Father. Taylor Swift can sell out Ford Field two nights in a row, play for four hours, 44 songs. Not one person sits down. Taylor Swift ain't worthy. Ed Sheerham played last night at Ford Field, sold out. Nobody sat down for the whole thing. Eminem comes out, everybody loses their mind, posted all on social media. Can I tell you, he's not worthy. I can tell you the one who is worthy of all of our praise and all of our honor and all of our. So our sacrifice matters because he's worthy. And sacrifice, God responds to sacrifice. We can't give up sacrificial living. Are you with me? And so I'm praying and believing that we can get this in us, that we be a people and say, hey, where's the need? How can I sacrifice to meet the need? I thought about, we got love for a child people over here. Teams are getting ready to give up personal vacation to go sleep in non-air conditioned cabins with kids in the foster care system who are rough. They know swear words you don't know. And they know how to use them perfectly. But because he's worthy, they're going to sacrifice. And they're going to see generational curses broken. Can I get amen? Is he worthy? He's worthy of our sacrifice. Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for how you love us and lead us. And God, our desire in this moment it's to be a people who grow in all of your fruits of the Spirit. Long-suffering, sacrificial lifestyle, because you're worthy. God, I pray you help us arrange our lives and schedules and times and desires to line up with how you'd have us live. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.